I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James, it's a, a road edition of the Leaf Report podcast, which means some people are not going to like the sound quality in we're sorry. We're trying to make it better. We're trying to figure out ways. I know we say that a lot, but it's literally true. Like, I've been asking other people who do podcasts how to do it better. So We're going to get there. Like in We're... 2021, like, we'll have a solution. <laughs> some people, how I, are can't, you doing? I can't believe how worked up some people get about this, the audio quality on the podcast. Some people are like, it's insulting that you put this out there and it's embarrassing. The Athletic has this. And it's like, I don't know. I mean... I listen to it. It sounds okay. Obviously, it's better when we're in person and we can record it and everything. You know, you know, we're gonna. We've made a pact to kind of invest some of the money that the podcast has made this year into uh, equipment and stuff like that. So, you know, I think within the next six months, the audio issues are going to be a thing of the past. It makes you realize like how much work it is to make a quality podcast and the ones that sound good. The 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 kind of professionalism that goes into it. We're just like two guys who try to write stories. Like, we don't know how to do anything. Anyway, let's talk about the Leafs. Um, so we're recording this while the team has just gotten to Tampa. They're on. They're doing their mom's trip. So the moms are probably just met the team um, in Tampa. Uh, the Leafs played last night, so that would be Tuesday night in Carolina. They won pretty handily. Um, where do you want to start? Like, what's kind of interesting to you? They they had not played well, obviously, for a couple games there, and they hadn't really played to, I think, what we would agree is their potential for a bit. But they're just so good that they can win games where they don't play particularly well. And it, it's it's like Justin Bourne wrote a really good piece for the Athletic, where it's like you can't really get too worked about worked up about anything because it it kind of doesn't matter totally, even if it does. Where do you kind of stand on that? Well, they kind of had what I would say was about a seven-game dip with the Philly game thrown in there where they just obliterated the Flyers. So, But you call it a dip, but it was a dip in terms of they didn't really pass the eye test. Like, they didn't look that impressive. But their record was 5-1-1. One, and one. So, you know, I thought that Scott Wheeler wrote a good story off the Saturday game in Boston where they where the Leafs got beaten up, and it was kind of like, what's what's wrong with the Leafs? And he pointed out some some video examples of some things that they had been doing not particularly well, um, but the response from some people, including you know Jason Botchford in Vancouver, was like they're they're five one and one in their last seven, like you know. So it, it's been interesting covering the team this year because you kind of get stuck in a weird place where they're really good, um, they're going to win games where they don't necessarily play well, um, 
can you still write, do you still write negative things about a team that's in that situation? Or do you just kind of go, they're really good and just say that over and over again? I mean, you know, we're trying to be analysts and talk about the team objectively. And that means, I think, saying they didn't play well, even when they win games. But, you know, there's a, there's definitely a healthy portion of, of the fan base that doesn't want to hear that. Well, but the, the difficult thing is it's, you can't be too alarmist with this team just because, like, even if they have a – like, let's say they get spanked against Tampa. Actually, that that's probably a bad example because that would be interesting. But even that would be, like, super – like, I don't know what we would learn from that. Like, but, like they're just at a point now where they're, we kind of know that they're a top-five team in the league, that they're going to be a contender for the Cup. We know – generally what their flaws are we know which parts of the roster we think need upgrading we need we like there's just not a ton we don't know about the team and that's what kind of makes it so interesting to to follow along is like we know you know ron hazy shouldn't be playing on a top pair of a cup contender we know you know nikita zaitsev is often overmatched and we know you know that you know their power play can be very deadly, but is, has been a little inconsistent. We know that their penalty kill hasn't been great. Like, we know Frederick Anderson's played well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're not learning a ton when, when they don't play well. I don't know if that makes sense. So, um, I think what we should do is just tell everyone to stop listening and stop reading our stories until April when, <laughs> when the games really matter and we really... It, uh, I mean, we're obviously kidding. I mean, they're still obviously an entertaining team to watch, and we can still talk about roster construction and things like that. I mean, sure. I, I guess, you know, the the criticism that was there for the Leafs last year was kind of the system that they play and the style they play and the fact that they were getting outshot frequently and that their possession numbers weren't that good. And a lot of that stuff is still there. You know, bringing in John Tavares and, and making them deeper at center didn't really get rid of of that issue. It just meant that their their firepower is is even better than it was last year, and that they have mm-hmm. three good lines instead of two and a half like they did last year. So it's like they got better without addressing what the primary concern was from a lot of of the fan base last year. But the counter to that is like so. I'm looking right now, and they're thirteenth in possession, and they're one of the highest scoring teams in the league. I'm pretty sure you can win a cup that way. Like Washington that, did. You know what I mean? Washington did last year. Washington did last exactly. year. Right. I think Washington did more. Washington was like 19th or something. And yeah, and Pittsburgh's had some years where they've been kind of in the middle of the road and in possession. And yeah, I mean, if if you have that kind of... Like they're not rating Carlisle's lease. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Go ahead. No, they're not. I mean, they're they're high on PDO, and I don't expect that that Anderson is going to have a 933 save percentage or whatever. I mean, he's come down now because they've, they've had some of those uh, big goals against games against him. But there's a little bit of unsustainability in some of the things that have happened. Like, we've already seen that, you know, Morgan Riley slowed down a little bit in point production and Mitch Marner slowed down a little bit. Um, and that could continue to happen here for the next little while. But this is a good team. I mean, this can be a 115-point team for sure. And... You know, I, I wonder if, if people would be even more excited about what the Leafs have accomplished if they weren't in the same division as Tampa. Like, that's kind of like the one dark cloud in the start that they've had, 21-9-1, and is that it's looking really hard for them to win this division. Well, it's funny. Like, uh, at the, the game in Carolina after the game, or maybe it was before the game. I don't remember. Anyway, Chris was, Chris Johnson, he was like, 
he was looking at their record and, and you know he was looking back at previous years and he was like they were 2010 and one last year so it's like it's not even that different from last year but i think the one there's a couple big meatballs that i would counter with they haven't had their best player for basically half the year they haven't had i don't know their fifth best player for all but a handful not even a handful of games like those that's 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 not nothing do you know what i mean and and yet they're still right there which speaks to kind of the pool of talent that they built well and then i think everyone believes there's another gear for this team to hit and then we see it in some games and then and then it goes away a little bit and then we see it i mean it's hard to be consistent um stone cold killer hockey team every night and you know, I, I, the the whole, what we're talking about here, the whole year is building towards the playoffs. They haven't been out of the first round of the playoffs in a long, long time. 2004, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's been, th- that's what this year builds to. And if they don't get out of the first round, it's, this year's a big disappointment. So, you know, it's hard to get too worked up about, you know, a, some games where they, they look a little bit off. And I, th- I thought Bourne's piece was made the exact right point is that the players know how good the team is and they know that they can beat teams like Detroit without necessarily having a very good first 30 or 40 minutes of the game. They know that they've got way more talent than teams like that. But I think part of what we saw last year, like remember, look at how they went into the playoffs last year. Look at what the first two games of that series were like. They weren't ready. They had been playing a lot of meaningless games and they had not been playing them. I don't think with the intensity that they had to. Well, and if I was if I was them, if I was Mike Babcock, and I remembered that, um, I would hope that a that that experience would kind of show a lot of the younger players in particular that you kind of have to start ramping up as you get closer to the playoffs. Obviously, we're a long way from that, and like they've added, you know, John Tavares, so like they're they're a different team in, in a lot of respects. But like I want to touch on uh, before we keep going, Matthews. Um, so I just looked and he's still on pace for like 108 points. So there's that, but, and this is, this should be expected. Like he keeps putting points on the board. He still doesn't look like he did before the injury. He still doesn't seem to have that pop back. Um, and you wonder like what they'll, the, the Leafs will look like once he kind of gets back in gear, once Neander gets back in gear, like, you can talk about either one of those guys if you want, kind of what you're seeing and where you think they're trending. I think that in the Carolina game, there were shades of, of what they can do. And you can see, with Matthews, you can see his skill level and his talent level, even if he's not at 100%. I mean, he's still such a difference maker. And, you know, yeah. I, I saw some people on Twitter saying that he had kind of a phantom assist on the goal. I thought he had a great assist on that goal. I thought he created it. And, just his ability to anticipate the play and hold the puck that extra half second and then, you know, make the pass. I mean, it shows that he's not just a shooter. Obviously, he's he's an amazing shooter, you know, probably top three in the world. Um, but he's got a lot of other offensive tools. And what I've seen is his stick handling is is, is coming back. And I have no, yeah. I have no as, as long as he stays healthy the rest of the year, I have no doubt that he's going to have a monster year. 100 points would not surprise me. 
I think uh, Dom did his projections for the rest of the season, and he had uh, Matthews finishing the year, I think, with 52 goals. When you miss 14 games and you still get 52 goals, that is really, really incredible. So, well, he's shooting 28% right now. Which isn't going to continue, obviously. Obviously, yeah. but like 20% is not like right. out of the question. Right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, I forgot what I was going to ask you about Matthews. Well, like, well, I mean, Nylander, same thing where he's obviously not ready and he's not in game shape. And that one penalty took, the, the holding penalty he took was obvious example of that. But then again, you know, the, the play that he makes on the one assist to, to create the goal, that's his skill level shining through. And, you know, he's up to two points in three games. I don't doubt at all that he can play at a 65 70 point pace the rest of the way um even if these first 10 15 games he's back he's gonna have to rely more heavily on his skill you know one of the keys for Nylander is going to be getting that second power play unit going that's where he's going to be super super important so you know if I, I it was pretty clear that there's not a lot of chemistry there yet um yeah but that's you know, I thought that Nylander was kind of trying to do a lot on his own on that power play unit the other night. So um, he's going to have to to get better chemistry with with Tyler Ennis and and uh, and Janssen and, and and some of the other skill players that they put out there. Well, it's funny, like that you mentioned that. Um, I thought that was one of the big things that was potentially going to change for them when he came back. But now that I think about it, that's like that is where missing training camp and missing all these practices, like that's that's where you would partly feel it. Like you haven't had many reps at all with those guys, like Johnson, Ennis, like Marlowe to some degree, I guess last year in the, um, but like other than that, like that's a group that, that has barely worked together. Like they've had a couple practices um, today in, in Tampa would have been the third practice for the owner. But like you think of like, I've always thought like he could be Marner to that, second unit but more of a shooter because he i think he has a better shot and he doesn't obviously have matthews on the other side but like if they get that unit going like suddenly their team starts to look a lot different that's why like it's hard to to get agitated or concerned even if they don't play well for a few games because like there's so many parts of their their team right now that aren't going that good and yet because they're so talented because they're so deep they win like we we haven't even mentioned, like, and, and granted, like, it's not a huge thing, but, like, Andreas Janssen is, like, it's, like, 10 points in the last eight games or something like that. Like, he's going now. Like, all these, I guess is what happens when you have a good team. Like, there's just so many things that you can kind of get by on, and, and if you're eventually kind of running at full steam, you can be something special. We should mention that we're sponsored this week by The Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash leafreport, all lowercase, you get 40% off The Athletic, which is by far the best deal you can get on signing up. And every subscription is another little piece of support for Jonas and I continuing to be able to do what we can do, continuing to pay for Jonas to stay in the nice waterside hotel next to the arena <laughs> in Tampa. And uh, I'm sure he's been sitting in the sun today while he, he does his work. So, you know, but in all seriousness, we really appreciate the support. And uh, I hit two years at The Athletic last week. And here's to a lot more years of, of Jonas and I being able to work together and, and cover this team the way 
um, that the fans deserve for it to be covered uh, in depth and, and intelligently. And we're also sponsored by the Saki Hall of Fame. If you have not seen their site, go to myfranchise.ca. And if you need a last-minute Christmas present, the uh, the socks that those guys have, the hockey socks, are unbelievable. And whoever you buy them for is going to love it. So, Well, and I should mention, just going back to the athletic, a couple things to point out if you didn't see them. Uh, Josh Cloak did a really cool story on the Leafs having there's a band basically within the Leafs and like I should mention as a Blue Jays fan I love reading Andrew Stoughton stuff so if you're a Jays fan check him out uh I don't know I just find him really fun to read and there's lots of good stuff in there um, I, I've got a story I'm working on on Austin Matthews and his mom so because she's on the she's on the mom's trip and I talked to her and she's super excited about it so and I think that that that'll be a nice you know, like we like to do stories that aren't just about the analytics and the power play and things. You know, we like to talk about the personalities yeah, and yeah, everything that goes into <laughs> everything that goes into uh, a hockey team. And so, it, yeah. Anyway, thanks for the support. And what, what do you have next on your to-do list for us to talk about? I didn't do a to-do list today. I'm oh, very. You're, you're, you're supposed to pretend. I was working on like. <laughs> Big story, and I and then it was suddenly four o'clock, and I'm like, oh boy. I know. I've what been working on a story all day today too. Well, you were okay. So uh, you were in Carolina. There was a big snowstorm. You had a hard time getting in there. Did um, did they practice in Carolina? Uh, they no, they practice in Toronto. You were there. Oh, this is this is going swimmingly. What, uh, what <laughs> like being around? Let the, me be the host. Let me run things here. Being around the team in Carolina, did you pick up on anything at the morning skate that stood out to you, or uh, post game, or is there any, any little tidbits that didn't make it into your stories that you think were interesting? Well, the the, the stuff I picked up will will be used in other stories. <laughs> That's what I try to do with those morning skates is potentially prepare for as many different things as I can. Well, give, I thought, give the listeners a taste here. Well, I thought it was interesting talking to Neilander. Like, he was – it's funny. Like, I got to talk to him as he was, like, walking out to the bus. Uh, so it was like a walk and talk. And you've noted this before. There, There's a different feel with Neilander now. It, it, it does feel like he's older, like a little bit more mature. It's almost like the experience of what he went through – I don't know, maybe it, like, forces you to grow up a bit. Like, you, you forget, like, he's 22. Like, he's a kid. Um, but it was interesting, like, him trying to explain to me what it's been like trying to play again after not playing, basically, since April uh, and trying to, like, catch back up. And it, it, I'm not sure if I totally captured it, but it just sounds like what he's struggling with is just, like, timing of the game which makes total sense like when you don't have training camp and you don't have preseason games. Like you don't have all that time to work out a lot of the rust. And it, it just reminds you like how important that stuff is. Like training camp and preseason games suck. Like they're terrible to watch. But like for players, it's like an opportunity to kind of get everything back, to shake off rust, to try things out, to to play with the puck, to play at high speeds. You know what I mean? Like there's, I, I, it, I think I sometimes even take that for granted that if you don't have that, I don't know, like you're just racing to catch back up. I don't think it will matter with Neander, like even if it takes him a month, even if it takes him a month and a half, um, as long as he's up and going by the playoffs. But it's a really hard thing that he's trying to do. 
and it, it obviously hasn't been done. Like, nobody's sat out that long. You know who it's going to matter to is my dad, who took, uh, on my advice, took William Nylander in his in his pool. So he's uh, huh. he's been riding to me every week on when's he coming back and when's he going to start to do something. So as soon as I was watching the game last night, I made sure I texted my dad and said, oh, there you go, he got you two points. So uh, I will say, it seems like it would be really interesting. Sorry um, to interrupt again <laughs> doing that. Um it would be interesting, and I don't think this is what's going to happen, but it would be interesting if, if Kadri and Neolander have something, like they they showed in Carolina, um, and they kept Kapanen with Matthews. That would make them theoretically deeper and, and harder to match up with because you'd have Neolander on one line, you know, Marner and Tavares on another, and Matthews on his own making other guys better. I still don't think that's what's going to happen. I still think it's too, there's too much potential and too much we've seen from Matthews and Neilander, but that would be kind of like an interesting side plot if that kept up. But why don't you think it could happen? Like we haven't seen Neilander with Kadri a ton. They're both skilled players. I, d- I don't see why they couldn't have some chemistry. No, we've seen it. Uh, I think enough. Actually, that's not fair. We've seen it before, and it didn't work. Like the numbers are pretty clear on that. It's not a huge sample size. Um, why I don't think it's going to happen is because Neander makes Matthews better. Like the, you can see it. Like even even now, like as 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 well as Kapanen's played, Kapanen doesn't make plays like Neander. He's not creating opportunities for Matthews generally because he's not as skilled as Neander. He doesn't see the ice the same way. He's just not the same player. And so, like, I feel like you maximize Matthews if you put Neolander with him. Um, and I still think you could have a dangerous line if you had Kadri and Kapanen playing together with Marlowe or whoever else. Babcock's kind of thinking about that he's going to have different lines at home and on the road, correct? I mean, that, that kind of seems... The reasoning, uh, the reasoning behind putting Nylander with Kadri is they're going to get less difficult matchups because teams are going to hard match either Tavares or or Matthews' line. I'm not sure if that's why he's doing that. I I think it's more that Nylander that first game looked like he was behind, and and because. Yeah, I guess then then it ties to the road because you're going on the road and Matthews is going to get the hardest match. That's what I'm saying. Um, like he's he's sheltering yeah. Nylander more than he he will long term. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. Well, no, and let's be honest. Like right now, given where Nylander is, it probably makes more sense to have Kapanen in there just because like Nylander's not up to where you want. And like and the other thing, and, and Babcock pointed this out after the game against Detroit when when Nylander first came back, it's like. You, you would basically have two-thirds of the line that haven't played. Like, it's not just Nealander that that's working his way back. It's Matthews. Mm. So it was like two guys. Matthews missed a month. Nealander missed two and, you know, all that time before. Um, so I think that's part of what's going on right now there. So we should talk about, unless you had something else in mind on your plan list that you didn't even make <laughs> that we don't have, like, we should talk about this game against Tampa because, I mean, people might listen to this after the game's already happened. It's possible. It'll, this will get posted Wednesday night. So, you know, I think the majority of people are going to listen to it before the game. But what the Lightning have done has been incredible. And they've done it without their number one goalie. And I think that if the Leafs were in this situation without their number one goalie, that they would be very hard-pressed to put up the kind of record that the Lightning have. And I think what 
I would have said Tampa was the best team in the NHL coming into the season. I wouldn't have said it to this degree. It looks like they potentially could run away with being the best team in the league once Vasilevsky gets back. Um, it's just you bring in Ryan McDonough, and all of a sudden their big weakness, which was the blue line, isn't as big of a weakness. And then Braden Point is is obviously having a huge year, and they're even deeper up front. And there's just there's a lot to like about this team, and there are definitely concerns over how they're going to be able to keep all of their players and stay under the cap. But for this year, they look like the favorites. I think I would dispute one thing you said, that I think it's an example of what we could probably learn if you know if, if Anderson wasn't able to play because of an injury or something. Louis Domingue is like a 905 save percentage. They just, they're, they're so good. It's the same thing with the Leafs. Like, they can just outscore bad goaltending. Like, to bring it back to the Leafs, like, you look at Garrett Sparks, I think, is 4-1-1 one one or something like that, and I don't have his save percentage in front of me. Uh, I don't think it's that poor. But, you know, like, he hasn't played well for the most part. Right. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. they're, in, they're in the same bracket. I think ta- uh, Tampa's a little bit more talented a little bit even a tiny bit deeper what do you think well they're more seasoned i think you know i think that sure. I mean, yeah. you know they they've been through i remember covering the final in tampa in what was that 2015 like they've been they've just been there longer and and this tampa team or like the at least the foundation of it could have won a cup already or two cups already and it's just you know, you look at it with the Capitals, and they were good for so long, and they didn't break through and win until last year. I mean, sometimes good teams, only one team wins. So sometimes there are good teams like the Lightning that it takes them, uh, you know, a, a string of seasons of being good. I mean, what Steve Eiserman has done there has been really, really remarkable. I mean, they were a mess when he got there, and they've been so good almost ever since. Uh, I just, they just feel like they're going to be an impediment to the Leafs for a long period of time. And I'm looking forward to, I hope we get a series against the Lightning. I hope that it seems unlikely it could be in the first round, obviously, with with Tampa looking like they're going to win the division. But, you know, if the Leafs want to have any kind of designs on catching them, they got to win this game tomorrow. And that kind of puts an extra, you know, we're not just watching a Carolina or a Detroit or a Columbus game anymore. We're watching a game that has implications for winning the division and it has implications for if these teams meet in the playoffs as well. Should we say it's a must win? Yeah, I think that's where I was uh-huh. going with that. Yeah. And I Seriously. think that I think that one of the Leafs should step up and guarantee victory as well in the at the uh-huh. at the morning skate. So Mike Mike Os Babcock. Yeah. Like you, is this a must win game? I'm sure but it's funny like, I'm sure look, he'd like you that. look at Yeah, well, so would I. Um like you look at Tampa's lineup and you can kind of see the way a playoff series would play out. If I would be guessing, I would think that Braden Point's line would match up with Matthews, which would set up Stamkos to match up with Tavares, which means, like, you know, it's why, like, it's become such a thing that depth is, is how you win. It could come down to, like, how good Kadri's line is in going against, you know, Alex Kalorn, Anthony Sorelli, and JT Miller. Like, that's where, like, you you look ahead, and that's where it seems like a playoff series could kind of break. Does that make sense? It could come like, down also- to Kachera, uh victimizing uh, Ron Hainsey or, or sure. y- you know, uh, 
Zaitsev. Yeah, or, or Steve Stamkos victimizing, you know, the Zaitsev pair. Ujaganov or... You know, it's... But you can, also make, you can also make the case, James. Like, you look at Tampa's pairs. I would be a little worried if I was Tampa and Dan Girardi was going against mm. Austin Matthews. And I would be a little bit worried, you know, about those bottom two pairs. You know, Braden Coburg going against, I don't know, Tavares or Marner or whoever. You know what I mean? Like, there's weaknesses on every team. But, like, you look at Tampa, and they're pretty thoroughly built top to bottom. Just like the Leafs sort of are. Like, obviously, the Leafs have weaknesses too. But I don't know. Like, there's not much separating the two teams, I don't think. So we only have a few minutes left. I apologize to people that this is not a super long one. These road ones we're going to keep shorter because uh, the audio quality is so great and because Jonas has to go back to the pool and do another cannonball. <laughs> um, and Rob's playing Golden State tonight. i got to get ready for that. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's not what I would do if I was in Tampa tonight. <laughs> you got to go to that steakhouse, the one that's got the dessert room. Nah, we're going to some. Anyway, go ahead, continue. <laughs> You're going to a nightclub. I've been overruled. My as chef de mission, I've been. My my choice has been overruled. You're going to but, uh, the hub. Yeah, we're going to some overpriced touristy place that I don't want to go. Oh, maybe it's a nice steakhouse. Um. Literally, no one wants to hear any of this. So let's. Uh, there's been talk of of uh, Alex Petrangelo potentially as a, a trade target for the Leafs. Um, you know, it's we talking about weaknesses that the Leafs have, and they've got cap space this year to do something at the deadline. But there's no rental players available. Um, it's going to be really fascinating if the Leafs can shore up some of those potential weaknesses at the deadline and how they integrate those pieces and. You know, I've been. I I I think that Kyle Dubas is going to be pretty aggressive here, realizing that the window is open for them to win. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating to see how creative he gets in trying to make something happen. Well, so we can discuss that player. I don't know if that's a room. I don't know how you categorize. Is that a report from Hockey Night? Is that well? You know like, what? It sounds like St. Louis. St. Louis is a mess. Like St. Louis is, and they potentially could could start blowing things up and you know Elliot, Elliot Friedman today said that it sounded like the Blues would be willing to trade Petrangelo in in a Nylander deal uh when when the Leafs were struggling to get get him signed um so it sounds like there's at least on the St. Louis side that there is some realism to it uh we don't know how interested the Leafs potentially would be the problem would be that I believe he's 29 28 29 in, in January, maybe. I, I, okay. Um, and he needs a new deal. I mean, he's he's got one more year after this. And as we know, it's it, it's it's hard not only to fit in that one remaining year at about $6 million, uh, but it's also going to be difficult to get him re-signed, and he's going to be an older defenseman, and are you going to want to do that? So and, and the other thing that, well, ha- that happened this week is the Leafs uh, signed Callie Rosen to a two-year extension, and I think that... All indications are they they view him as being part of of in in the mix for next year on the blue line. But again, he's a left shot guy. So, it, it, but, well, before you go on to that, the other thing you didn't mention about Petrangelo, he's going to cost you a, a shitload, right? Like if Neander is what they wanted for their captain, what what do they want? Like you know what I mean? Like it, 
do you have the capital in your organization to make that trade? Do you? Is it smart to to sacrifice what it would take? Like, if you were St. Louis, what would you want? Well, you want? so like the rumor was something like you could get rid of Zaitsev in the trade, and you'd also have to include someone like Kapanen or Janssen and like a good pick or, you know, and it looks the trade looks something like that. And how is that good for St. Louis? How does how does taking on four or five more years of Nikita Zaitsev make any sense. Well, I mean, they could be tearing down, right? Like, they could be... They could be going full Jack Hughes mode. So, (laughs) that... I I mean, I guess maybe that helps them a bit with that there, and... You know, I don't believe... Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's the only way that it makes any kind of sense for the Leafs, right? Because then that makes it possible to potentially fit the player. I I think Petrangelo's still good. I just... The concern I have with signing a defenseman like that on a long deal, you know, let's say he is 29 in January, which is, for some reason, that exists in my brain somewhere. It is, yeah. That's true? Well, okay. and he's basically he's the same age as Gardner. Okay, so he's going to be 30 by the time the new deal would kick in, and he's going to want a lot of years. And, you know, you look around the league. I was looking today at the Islanders, and they got Johnny Boychuk signed for three and a half more years. He's 34 years old, and he's 35 uh, next year, early next year. And he's playing third pair of minutes, and he, I think he's got like four points this year. So you you don't want to get into his. And obviously, Petrangelo is better than Johnny Boychuk, but you know Boychuk making six million dollars a year on your third pair, and there's going to be a lot of problem cases like that around the league because a lot of teams signed guys to long term deals when they were twenty nine, thirty years old. And it's I just I kind of think that this Leafs front office is going to be too smart to do that. Yeah, but maybe you just trade for him and you you have him be on your team for two cup runs, and that's it. And you let him go. Yeah, you just win two cups, and then that's and then you're. Ah. <laughs> I, I, okay, so let's let's go ahead. I know that's not what you're saying. I'm just being stupid. So. Yeah, no more puns too. It's. Fine. I didn't have Getting any. Of... I didn't have any puns. Not today. Anyway, uh, let's quickly touch on Kelly Rosen. You mentioned him. It it seems like a foregone conclusion that that he'll be on the team next year. I think that's the summation. No? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. And the only question is, if they keep Jake Gardner, then maybe Kelly Rosen's kind of just like a uh, an extra defenseman. But it, it sounds like, you know, I know Scott Wheeler's talked to him quite a bit, and it sounds like Kelly Rosen has, you know, one of the reasons he didn't go back to Europe and he's played out another year with the Marlies is because, I don't know if they gave him a guarantee or what, but he seems pretty confident that he's going to be in the NHL. So, um, And he's also put up big numbers in, in the AHL, and... I don't have a problem with that. I didn't think he looked very good in preseason this year uh, for the Leafs. But uh, the organization has, has a lot of confidence in him and in his ability. All right. I think we will leave it there. Uh, again, the podcast brought to you by The Athletic, theathletic.com slash sleep report for 40% off. And, of course, Bab Sox and the Saki Hall of Fame. James, we will do our next podcast in person. I don't know what next week's schedule looks like yet. I haven't looked that far. They're on the road again next. They're on the road uh, Tuesday. I think aren't they in New Jersey or Jersey. something? Oh yeah, but I'm not going. So we'll do it on like yeah, we'll do it on Tuesday. Well, we should do it after the game. We'll probably do it next Wednesday again. And Wednesday. So they got a home game next Thursday, uh, and then we're getting real close to Christmas. They got a bunch of home games, and then and it's going to be Christmas. So um, next week will be the last podcast before Christmas, and we'll probably take a break the week after Christmas. So. Cool, cool. Well, thank you for listening to The Road Podcast. We will be back with a home podcast next week.